Is it on? Can everyone hear me? Okay. I'll try to speak loudly um, and speak up. And if it looks like I'm nervous, it's because I am. Uh, but I've also been very blessed this morning, too. Um, just in yeah, some of the different circumstances leading up to this morning. Uh, it's been very confirming. Um, so <clears throat> that has felt good. Um, so first off, uh, why am I up here? Um, in our leadership meetings every month, uh, we go over pastors, go over the preaching schedule and every oh every few months or so, normally Brendan, but sometimes Laverne, they'll say, Johnny, Ben, you guys have anything you want to share? Um, and I opened my mouth in November and said that God has been teaching me something that I think might be a sermon. Um, and then in December, I think Laverne said, are you ready for that? And I said, I think so. Um, so they put me on the schedule here for today. Um, and so over the last couple of weeks preparing for this, I had to remind myself a few times that I did volunteer to do this. Uh, so I can't back out. Uh, so in getting started here, I've, different preaching styles are kind of fascinating to me. And there's one that uh, is interesting in that a pastor will make a... Uh, He'll make a like a bold statement at the beginning of his message that catches your attention, and then he'll go on and later he'll kind of explain it. Uh, and so I have a bold statement at the beginning of this state message, uh, and that bold statement is, "You can change the past." Um, and we'll get back to that. So uh, opening scripture here um, is in Romans. I'm just going to read it here. It's Romans 12 verse 2 do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect um, now we discussed this in Sunday school a few months ago and there's lots of different discussion on this verse verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12 um, but I was uh, I was gripped by the verse 2 by the by the phrase renewal of your mind um, and there's lots of different ways of that Christ renews our mind um, but I want to talk about one of them today um, I have a couple sources that I got a lot of this uh, material from um, the first source is a podcast called The Place We Find Ourselves it's a counseling podcast um and the second one is a sermon by Eric Ludy. It's called The Power to Forgive. Um, and again, that's Eric Ludy. So the subject I'm going to speak on today is forgiveness. Um, and this is from a journey God has led me on over the last six to eight months. Um, this is a part of it. There's different parts of it that are still going on. Um, and... It has been a very good journey. It's been a hard journey, um, but it's definitely changed me, um, yeah, in many ways. Um, but in life, we are hurt often. There's hurt. There's offense. Um, it's a normal part of our lives here on earth. As we live in relationship with each other, um, 
we will be hurt and offended many times. Um, there's some hurts that we carry for just a short time and we move on and we don't even remember that they happen. Um, and then there's some hurts that actually change the way we think. They change the decisions we make. Um, and, um, and they change it for years and years to come. Um, and so I want to speak a little bit about that. Um, I'm going to start off here with a story. Um, so Jorge Pedro was a 10-year-old boy. Um, he was outgoing, charismatic, very mischievous, um, and he was instantly the leader of any group he was in. It was fascinating to watch him in a group of boys. He was automatically the leader, and he could have that group go do something fun and and uh, uh, build up, building up, or he could go do something very bad. Um, and, but he would be the ringleader. He was the leader in every group he was in. Um, he had been severely abused by his family members, uh, specifically his siblings, um, which is why he was at the orphanage in Mexico. He had been there for a few months when I got there in November, um, and he was fiercely loyal to Brian, his first caregiver. Um, and when I came in the room, there was some stretching moments when he got used to having somebody else in the room that was also an authority. I would tell him to do something and he would go tattle to Brian. Um, he um, challenged me in many ways. Um, funny story, the first Christmas I was there, the church here sent me a box. Uh, it was a big box that had books and candy and goodies, hot chocolate and coffee and all kinds of different stuff in that box. Um, and so I stored it under my bed while we you know, would get some out in the evenings and stuff and, and eat from them. Uh, well, over that time here, uh, Jorge and one of the other little boys there, they started playing one afternoon. They made this blanket fort there by their beds. And they thought, oh, that's great. They're having fun. Um, and the next day they did it again. Uh, the next day they did it again. And then one of these days we found an empty hot chocolate packet outside. And we tried to figure out where it came from. Uh, here the blanket forts were a cover um, so they could steal out of that box under my bed. Yeah. And that was Jorge. Yeah. So anyway, I got there in November. In February, his mom came to the orphanage and demanded that she be able to take him home. Uh, she accused the orphanage of abusing him, of not feeding him, um, and the state CPS, Child Protective Services, caved in to her, uh, to her demands since she was so forceful. Um, and the next day she got, next morning she got to take Jorge home. Um, we were all pretty shaken up. We were scared for him. We knew that the abuse that had happened had happened in home, at home. Uh, I'm not sure if his mom was there when the abuse had, abuse had happened, um, but we were all very concerned for him. Um, we were all pretty shaken up, too, because it happened very quickly. Um, so after he left that morning, I went into town. I took some time off and went into town. Um, we had access for Internet and phone there, and I made a phone call. Um, and so now, going back, it's changing course a little bit. Um, when I was around 18, 
here in Martinsburg. Um, Junior Knapp was an assistant pastor here. Um, many of you know him, some of you don't. Um, but yeah, he was a pastor here. I was a withdrawn, shy, um, insecure young man. And Junior um, invested in me. He began to meet me for breakfast monthly. Um, we would go to early birds, we'd have breakfast, and we would just talk about life. Um, we did this for two to three years before I went to Mexico. Uh, his friendship was very influential to me. Um, he helped to get me out of my shell, and his interest in me was very validating. Um, so once I was in Mexico, I called him just about every week those first few months. Um, so the call I made that day when I went into town was to Junior. Um, and I called him wanting some comfort, wanting a listening ear um, in a difficult time. Instead, he told me of an affair he had been having that had come to light um, and how sorry he was. And I was dumbstruck. I was completely blown away. I had no idea. How could he have done that? I had trusted him. I was deeply hurt by the betrayal of trust. Um, and I was hurt even more deeply when I came home for vacation that June um, and we met for breakfast like we always did. Um, and he acted as if everything was fine and going great. And it made me very angry when I thought about how everything had been fine beforehand when it wasn't fine. Um, I was angry with him for quite a while. I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to talk to him. He had asked me for forgiveness that first phone call, and I had told him that I forgive him. Is that enough? So forgiveness, what forgiveness is not, excuse me, <clears throat> forgive and forget, we've all heard that term, forgive and forget, um, just forgive and forget and get over it, but there's a couple problems there, um, first we don't just forget painful things that happen to us. We don't. That's not the way we're made. Um, trauma, loss, hurt, they physically change our brains. Um, we cannot just forget them. And second, forgiveness is not a one-time event. Um, so it's not possible to just forgive, forget, and continue as if never, nothing ever happened. Um, Attempting to forgive and forget is a human solution that doesn't work. Um, it's merely a decision not to punish or take revenge against the person who wronged us. Um, Eric Ludy, he likens this to an off offense to us having a beautiful green yard. We have this beautiful yard um, and we go out and we play and we live in this yard. Um, it's beautiful, it's green, there's no dead spots on it. Um, and somebody comes and they dump a dump truck load of manure 
in our yard, right in our favorite spot. And what do we do with this load of stinking manure? Like, that's, that's a problem um, on our yard. Um, soon after they do that, we get some verses that pop into our head. Um, Jesus spoke very firmly about forgiveness. He went as far as to say that if we do not forgive those around us, our Heavenly Father cannot forgive us. It's very strong. Um, so we make a quick decision to forgive that person that dumped this load of manure on our yard. So we tape off that part of the lawn and we try to avoid that big pile of manure in our yard. Um, we try to continue our wonderful times there in our yard working around that thing. Everything's fine, right? We aren't retaliating. We're not going out and buying a dump truck load of manure and dumping it on their yard. Um, but we protect that crime scene intact. We forgive them and we try to forget about it. Um, but it's still back there in the back of our minds. Oh, I mean, we have it ready because if they ever accuse us of anything, oh boy, we're ready to let them know about that dump pi truck pile of manure that they dumped on us. Um, the wound is still there. Um, sometimes we go back and visit it and we think about how could they have done that? I can't believe they did that to me. But I forgave them. I don't hold them against them. This is better than being bitter and resentful and revengeful. But it's human forgiveness. Um, Joseph is a credible story of forgiveness. Um, I'm going to take a couple points from the story of Joseph today. I, I think I could preach the entire sermon from Joseph, but I don't want to steal Laverne's thunder since he's preaching through Joseph. Um, but an interesting thought on forgive and forget from Genesis 45. Um, when his brothers come back and Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, he says, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into slavery. Joseph didn't forget. He couldn't forget that they sold him into slavery. Uh, he came to forgive them, but he didn't forget what happened. So what does godly forgiveness look like? The story that I told earlier kind of grabs your attention, doesn't it? Stories grab our attention. We like stories. God made us that way that stories grab our attention. Um, God loves stories. And as yeah, being made in Him's image, we naturally love stories too. Um, on a side note, Jorge leaving the orphanage then was not the last we heard of Jorge. Um, but if you want to know the rest of his story, you can ask me later. I won't share that here. Um, but the Bible is a big story about a wonderful God his pursuit of people he created, and how he revealed himself, his character, his love to them by coming, dying for them, and rising again. We also, all of us, each one of us have a story as well. Um, ultimately, it's only a large, or only a part of the larger story of God and what he's doing. Um, but it is uniquely our own. Um, each one of us has that story. 
it's very fascinating to see how God leads each one of our stories. He leads and directs us as we interact with each other, how they uh, interact, our stories clashes each other and, and go back and forth. Um, but our stories are actually a very important part of forgiveness and healing. They play a part in the process. Um, so what is the process of godly forgiveness? Um, step one in the process of godly forgiveness is acknowledging the wrong. You were wronged when that person dumped that dump truck load of manure. You were wronged. Um, it was unjust. It wasn't right. Um, some hurts are intentional. Some are not. Um, but either way, it was wrong, and it hurt. Um, we cannot begin to forgive someone if we do not acknowledge the fact that there was a wrong. Um, that's impossible. You cannot forgive something for something that didn't happen. Um, so if there's, first step is to acknowledge the wrong. Honestly saying to yourself or to a trusted individual what it was that happened, what were the ramifications, and what were the emotions that resulted from that event. Not shutting down the emotions that arise from that, um, but also not being controlled by them. We need to be willing to sit in that state of allowing the pain to be there, um, allowing the hurt to be there. The natural thing to do in this situation as we begin to sit in the pain with what happened is to pop up out of it. Um, I do this all the time. Um, we say, yeah, that hurt, but I know God is good. Um, yeah, that was bad, that hurt, but it's not as bad as what happened to this person. It's not as bad as what happened to that person. Um, and we don't stay there in that space. Um, taking time to sit in that state and not just gloss over the pain is very, very important. But what do we do with that pain? If you want to turn with me to Luke 22. I'm going to read verses 54 to 62 in Luke 22. So this is after uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is arrested. And I'll start there in verse 54. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, This man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, You must be one of them. No, man, I am not. Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. 
And immediately, when he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the, Lord, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Jesus heard it. He heard Peter say, I don't know him. Think of the pain of having a close friend in a time of need. You're in a time of need and your close friend is there and you overhear him telling somebody, that guy, Laverne, I don't even know him. What betrayal that would be. Um, yeah, someone who said that he would rather die than leave Jesus turns around and behind his back says, I don't even know who he is. Oh. The betrayal of having a close friend betray you to your enemies with a kiss, with a, uh, a sign of affection. The one who made you knows exactly how the pain you're feeling feels like. He walked through it. Oh. He was right there. So step two in the process of forgiveness is taking that pain to him. Tell it to him. Um, pour it out to God, unfiltered and unedited. Um, yeah, don't doctor it up. Don't um, edit it to sound good and right so that the, so that the theology is correct. Um, David and Job both did this um, in Psalm uh, 13 David does this I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 13 David says O Lord how long will you forget me forever how long will you look the other way how long must I struggle with anguish in my soul with sorrow in my heart every day how long will my enemy have the upper hand I don't think David really believed that he was alone, but he's giving voice to what he felt. He felt alone in those difficult times, and he's pouring that out to God. Um, Jesus actually quotes one of these psalms when he's on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt forsaken. David felt forsaken when he wrote that, and he poured that out to God without filtering it out, without making it theologically correct or sound good. He poured it out. Um, the same God who was able to handle all of David's joy and grief and despair and anger and fear is also able to handle your large emotions. Trust them to him. Give them to him. Step three. Allow God to show you that he was with you in that moment of pain and hurt. He knows exactly what it feels like and he was right there with you. He did not abandon you. He did not leave you. You were not alone. He knows exactly what you're going through and also be willing to sit in that state for a while too uh, because it is very healing. 
but that's not all. Um, allow God over time to show you what he was doing in that moment, what he was building, and what he was growing in you. Because that is a moment in your story that is building who you are. God will take that pile of manure that was dumped on your green lawn and he'll begin to work it into the soil. And he'll build something beautiful. Guess what? Manure makes really good fertilizer. Um, God can make a garden <coughs> out of those painful moments that we have. And through this, we'll begin to grow a love for that person that offended you when we see what God is growing. As I have sat in the pain of Junior's, Junior's betrayal of my trust and friendship, I've also realized that I am in part the person I am today because of him. His validation gave me confidence in who I was as a man, and the pain I felt from his betrayal has over time softened my heart. They are a part of my story. Oh, and I know that's also a part of many of your stories too, sitting here today. God is using that to create something that is in his image. And I've been able to give, be given a glimpse of what he is doing. I choose to forgive Junior. I choose to allow God to continue working in me. Instead of forgive and forget, I forgive and remember. Um, I will need to continue to choose forgiveness. This is, it's not a one-time event. We need to continue to choose it. Um, one caution I have with that, looking back now, I can see what God was doing then. Um, Joseph could too. He told his brothers right before his death that you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He saw what God was doing, and he forgave his brothers. But I'm also sure there were times when he was in Potiphar's house, or in prison, or even after he was in prison, when he didn't see what God was doing. He couldn't see it yet. Um, so, if you're walking through that process of forgiveness, and you're sitting in the pain, allowing God to work in it and speak to you through it, um, but you don't see what he's doing yet, don't give up. Um, you may see it soon. You may never see it here on earth. I don't know. There are, there are things that I'm sure we will never see why here on earth. I choose to believe that we will someday. Um, there are things we're walking through now that I don't see how God could be using them. But he is. Um, one other note I want to have with this is also, this is speaking about forgiveness, not necessarily reconciliation. They're two slightly different things. Um, you need to have forgiveness for reconciliation, um, but there's more to reconciliation than just forgiveness as well. Um, the choosing forgiveness does not mean that reconciliation automatically happens. Um, that's a, another sermon that 
I'll let Laverne or Brennan or Austin preach. So in conclusion, you can change the past. Can we go back in time and change the actions or change the words? No, no we can't. But we can allow Christ to bring healing and forgiveness to those painful moments and allow him to change our perspective. Because where does the past live? The past is in our memories. It's in our mind. Um, And as we allow Christ to bring healing to those moments, the way we remember them changes. The neural pathways we use to remember those moments physically change. Um, And we remember them differently. This is, I believe, one of the ways that Christ renews our minds is to bring redemption to those painful moments in our lives. When we allow the redemption of Christ to change the way we view those moments and remember them, this is what Christ does. He redeems things. And when he changes those memories, it doesn't change the past, but it does change the way we think of them. And I think that's almost the same thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. Um, Thank you for the forgiveness that you give, um, the healing that you bring. Um, Thanks to your son on the cross. We are grateful for that. Um, I ask that you give each one of us the strength to walk into forgiveness to those around us. Um, Pray this in your name. Amen.